Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. All right, well, hey, good morning. Hey, we're excited you're here today as we are in our last week of this series entitled Quit Church. And uh, if you've been around for any part of this series, you realize that this isn't one of those like feel-good messages. Um, a lot of times I do, I like to try to encourage you. I like to try to, to build you up and let you walk out of here like feeling good. But this has been one of those series where it kind of like kind of punch you right in the gut. So since I've done that for five weeks straight, I thought I'd take a break. So I'll leave the last week of the series up to uh, one of our very own. So we have just an incredible honor and a, a really a treat to we get to hear from our very own, our ministry director, our ministry pastor, Daryl Beckett. And he's going to come up and he's going to close this series out. So let's just give a warm life change welcome for Daryl Beckett. You know, when you get to guest preach, you never know how you're supposed to greet the guy that introduces you, so I'm kind of glad it was just an easy high five, because there's none of that weird, awkward hug, and if you know Corbin, he's not that much of a hugger, so I kind of like the high five. Um, good morning. We are glad that you are with us this morning. If you are a first-time guest, please make sure you take out the Connect card in the seat back in front of you and fill that out. You can drop that in the offering a little later and stop by the Connect desk on your way out to pick up your free gift. If you brought somebody with you this morning, make sure you take them to the Connect desk so that they can get their free gift. Um, the series that we're wrapping up today is based on a book called Quick Church by a pastor in California named Chris Songson. He's also the director of our um, coaching network that we are a part of, and we actually got to hear him speak at a conference a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so a lot of what we're sharing is content from his book. You can get it at any online bookstore. I would encourage you um, to buy it. The foundational passage of Scripture that we have used for this series is found in Hebrews. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 12. If not, download the YouVersion Bible app. We always encourage you to have that on your phone. It has daily devotionals and reading plans. You can take your Bible with you anywhere you go. So, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, and again, this is kind of the, the foundational passage for the whole series, and it was written to a group of people who um, had a relationship with God. It looked different than, than we do today, um, but they had a relationship with God, and they were, were in church, and they practiced religious tradition that didn't always line up with, uh, with God's uh, image of Christianity. And so he challenges them. And listen to what he says in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, this passage of Scripture tells us that in order to run the race set before us, we have to focus on Jesus. And so we have to cast aside other things. And it's so easy to get stuck on the, the part that talks about sin because, oh, well, if you're a Christian, of course you have to quit sinning. But there are other things that we have to quit and sometimes it's church stuff that we have to quit because we don't always get it right. And it's really more tradition than anything. And so it's important that we look at the scripture 
um, and see how God describes the action of the church so we know how we're supposed to act. And so the first week we looked at, we have to quit expecting the church to be perfect, right? Because the church is made up of you and me, and we are imperfect people. We have to quit thinking that our money is ours. And I know for someone that's a little knee-jerky, but the reality is, as believers in Christ, we believe that God is our provider. And if you truly believe that, then you should be comfortable in surrendering your finances to biblical principles. Quit just consuming church. We live in Western civilization, and there is consumer mentality everywhere. Well, the problem with consumerism is what? It's about me. It's what I get out of it, and that is not what church is about. So quit consuming church and start contributing because we're all made to serve something bigger than ourselves. Quit just hoping that people come. People don't just come to church. They come because they're personally invited. So we have to quit just hoping people come and actually start inviting them. And then quit stopping by church and actually make a commitment to attend church. How are you going to invite somebody to church if you're not committed to attending yourself? And then this week, we're going to look specifically at quit just being Facebook friends and engage in real relationships. Right? Quit just being Facebook friends, or we could call it fake book friends, and engage in real relationships. And I want you to go through this exercise with me. If you have your phone with you, pull it out. Some of you already have it out. In fact, some of you may already be on Facebook right now. Right? Let's be honest. And so if, Daryl, we're just posting the sermon. Mm-hmm. I know. So pull out your phone, go to your Facebook app, Click on your picture so you're actually on your profile. Look at that. Life Change Tech Team is amazing, <laughs> right? Close that out for me, Brad. Thank you. And so this is not a touchscreen, but that timing was perfect. Um, so you're going to go, I want you to go to your profile page. Look, now look at that family. Brendan is blowing it up. So I want you to look at your friends count. So go up for me until we can find my friends, right? Keep going, keep going. There. Go up to my friend count, Brandon. This one a little smoother and first. All right, right here. Here's my friend count. If you look on your phone, you see this little red icon. It tells you 645 Facebook friends, right? How many have more than 700? Just two people have more than 700 in the whole sanctuary? <laughs> what about more than 1,000? Anybody have more than 1,000 friends? Corbin had 1,300 in first service. Cass Baker, how many do you have? How many? 1,134 friends. Do you think you know them all? Okay, well, this is the exercise that I went through. I then opened up my friend's page. I wanted to see all of my friends, and I went through the exercise. I just started scrolling through my page till I got to the first person that I did not know. It was only 20 people deep. And out of 645 friends, 20 people is only 3%. So I only had to go to the first 3% of my list, and I found a person I did not know. And her name is Amy Cranshaw. Amy Cranshaw, I don't know. But what I do know about her is that she lives in Kansas City. She went to Evangel College, which is in Springfield, Missouri. And I know that because I went to college in Springfield, Missouri, but a different school. 
She worked at Teen Challenge, and she currently works for a company called Lion Share Incorporated. Oh, and we have three mutual friends. But I don't know Amy at all. And as I continue to scroll through my page, what I realized is I'm Facebook friends with 10 different Amy's on my Facebook page. I only know three of them. So I know 30% of just the Amy's on my page out of 645 friends. Church, the problem is this. We are all created for relationship, right? We're created for relationship. And we use different methods to find that. And all too often in today's society, we rely on things like social media. We rely on Facebook. We rely on Instagram. And are those things bad? Of course not. They're a great way to keep up and see what's going on in the lives of people around you. But they're just timelines. That's it. They're just like the greatest clip moments. You don't engage in any real relationship through social media. And church, the same thing happens here. We don't always engage in real relationships at church. Yes, we have acquaintances, but we don't have relationships. And it goes something like this. We come into church on Sunday, and we see our buddy, and we, the, the obligatory, hey, how are you doing? And then there's just this exchange, and it's normally about what happened during your week, maybe the kid's sporting event, or maybe something that you had to eat. But there's no real engagement that takes place there. And then there's no contact made throughout the week. So the next time you have that is Sunday morning, again, the following week. And so there's nothing of substantial relationship building that's taking place. It's just surfacy. We can't go through life with just surface friends. We were created for relationship, <coughs> excuse me, relationship with one another. We need people in our lives who will walk with us through the highs and through the lows and point us to Christ during that process. Church, we need to quit just having Facebook friends and engage in real relationship. But why? In real relationship, you can be authentic, right? You can be transparent. You can be who you are in a real relationship. And for those of you who are married, I want you to stop and think about the you now compared to the you when you first started dating. It's safe to say that there were probably some things that you did not do when you first started dating that you do now, right? Maybe you have an irritating or an annoying habit that you did not share during your dating phase because you were afraid that, oh my gosh, what if she doesn't like that? Or what if he doesn't like that? I better not. My wife and my daughter are talking to each other right now and laughing. They're probably discussing mine, right? And so that happens. But what happens when you get married? Slowly but surely, a little more authentic, a little more transparent, and a little more irritating because your irritating habits come out. And guess what? They're still irritating, right? But now you're in real relationships, so you can overcome those things. Real relationship, we can grow. Real relationships, we can share victories and share defeats. In real relationships, we can be held accountable, right? And that's a word that we don't always like, right? But when you're in a real relationship, the person that's holding you accountable has your best interest in mind, right? They're pushing you to become a better 
you. And so that's not something we should be afraid of. When we're in real relationships, we can be held up when we're weak, and we can hold others up when we're strong. And for believers, all of those things are vital. Our text for this morning's message comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Go ahead and turn there with me. Acts chapter 42 through 47, and a brief history of this passage is this is the birthing of the church, right? The book of Acts is is the actions of the apostles, and we've seen Pentecost has already taken place, and the, the apostles are being persecuted, and Peter just begins to proclaim the word of God. And this is the response of the body of Christ to the formation of the first church, and it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Now this morning, we're going to talk specifically about the action steps in that passage of Scripture that the church took, but I don't want you to lose sight of the final part of that last verse. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Church, when the church acts like the church, the Lord adds to their numbers and people are saved. If you want to see people come to know Jesus Christ and you want to see people saved, then you have to engage in real relationships. When the community of the church is healthy, they have a healthy impact on the surrounding community right? When the community of the church is healthy, they have a healthy impact on the surrounding community. But how do we do that? Well, there's action steps right in the book of Acts that we just read. And the first one is you have to be devoted to the apostles' teachings, right? You have to devote yourself, it says, to the apostles' teaching. And the Greek word used here is didache. And when interpreted, it means the teaching of one who is in authority, And it's also related closely to a word, logos, which is really a fancy church word for your doctrine, your personal belief about the scriptures. It's critical, friends, that you dedicate yourself to the teachings of the scripture so that your personal belief about the scripture is formed from the scripture, right? We've all been in arguments with people that are passionately defending a point that they know nothing about, right? As believers in Christ, we have to know what we believe about the scriptures because our belief is formed from the scriptures. So I encourage you, spend time in the word of God. Dedicate yourself to the teachings of the apostles and dedicate yourself to the teaching of your pastor. Listen, we believe that Corbin teaches the truth of the word of God. And I hope you believe that or you most likely wouldn't be here. But here's one of the problems that we have, especially in America. Notice what I said. The word there is to teach with authority. The problem is we don't like that word. 
We do not like the word authority because nobody's going to tell us what to do. I'm a grown man. I'm in authority of my life. Authentic authority does not exist to control you, friends. It exists to provide a covering for you. And so notice we talked about having to change our mindset, right, and get rid of some things that maybe we thought. When we change our mind about what authority really is, think about your children and the authority that you have over them as a parent. It's not just to get to tell them what to do. You're their covering. My son is nine, and this was a frustrating week for him. There are a lot of things that were taking place in his life, and there are a lot of people that were telling him what to do. And he came home from school the other day and he was frustrated. I go to football and my coach tells me what to do. I go to school and my teacher tells me what to do. I come home and my mom and my dad tell me what to do. I just can't wait to be able to tell somebody what to do. Right? Because that was his thought of authority. When you're in authority, you get to tell people what to do. No, as his father, I'm his covering. And your pastor is the same for you. Sometimes we just don't like what the pastor says. When I have those conversations, I usually find out it's for one of two reasons. The first we already talked about, we still have a problem with authority. And the second is, also closely linked to that, it's probably because we have a sin issue in our life that we're not ready to surrender, which still links back to authority, right? And so if you think about it, maybe in your own life, man, Corbin really, he talked about punching in the gut. Hey, man, that really hit me today, and I'm kind of ticked off at him. Well, it's probably because you're struggling with that issue. Church, we need to change our mindset when it comes to the authority of the Scripture, the authority of God, and the authority of our pastor. And the way to do that is really simple. It's changing your mind. It's acknowledging that authority is a covering, not a controlling aspect. We have to dedicate ourselves to the apostles' teachings because they are the teachings of Christ himself. We see that the first church devoted themselves to fellowship, right? Now, fellowship is one of those words that the only place it's used is church, right? When you're at work and you're talking about hanging out with your buddy over the weekend, uh, you don't say, hey, you want to have some fellowship this weekend, right? You you don't say that to your work friend, right? Half the church works at Equity Resource, um, (laughs) right? And I don't think an equity resource, hey, let's fellowship this weekend. No, that's a church word, but it's an important word. The early church spent time with each other. And so if I were to ask you, hey, when is the last time that you spent time with somebody from church outside of church, including church activities, what would the answer be? For a lot of us, not very often, right? Right? And so then here comes the question. If I'm wanting to grow in my relationship with other people, and I'm wanting to grow in my relationship with Christ, but I'm doing it without people who have a relationship with Christ, how am I growing in my relationship with Christ? Right? We have to commit to fellowship with each other because we were all created to have relationship with other people. We need people to walk through life with us to grow with us, to laugh with us, to cry with us, and to share with us, and to encourage us. And it doesn't happen accidentally. If you're the kind of person that is just waiting to be invited, you're probably going to wait to be invited. 
It's just the truth. You're probably going to wait to be invited. And a perfect example is we, we started a men's group that met on Saturdays here at the church, and it was 7 a.m. on Saturdays. And in the beginning of that group, there was only two guys in there that, that knew each other. Like, we all knew each other, but Kevin and Chris know each other. They've lived life together. They have real relationship. But all the other guys in there were like Facebook friends, right? We, we didn't know each other. But what happened is we started to have real relationships, and real things began to get shared, and trust was earned. And because trust was earned, relationships grew. Now, as a result of that group, these guys hang out together outside of church, and they push each other to grow. We run together. We fish together. We have fun together because real relationships happen because intentional steps were taken. Some of the things that hold us back, though, are fear, right? What if I don't fit in? Well, here's something I can promise you. You will not fit into a group that you are not a part of. Right? It's logical. You won't fit in to the group if you are not a part of the group. And here's something else that you just have to settle with yourself. And really, it's liberating when you realize it. It took me a long time in my life to get there. And it was actually being a pastor that I finally learned it and accepted it and was okay with it. The bottom line is, there are some people who will not like you. That, that is the truth. There are some people that just are not going to like you. And it is true, because guess what? There are some people that you don't like. And you're okay with that, right? You're okay not liking that person. You have to be equally okay with sometimes people are just not going to like you. And it's all right. Find somebody who does, right? I don't need people. I just need God. If that were true, you wouldn't feel alone when you weren't with people. Right? If that were true, you wouldn't feel alone if you weren't with people. The bottom line is, we were created for community. And never should it happen in the church where somebody feels isolated or alone or excluded. But it does. And it doesn't just happen in the church. It happens in this church. Right? We have to make an effort to be in community. I don't like people knowing my business. Well, usually that's because you have business that you're ashamed of. Or you don't want out there, right? Because you're afraid of accountability. Church, all of these things are things we have to get past if we're going to model the image of the church found in Acts. You have to be okay with people knowing your business if you're going to grow. That's, we push each other towards growth. We have to dedicate ourselves to fellowship. Next, we see that they were devoted to the breaking of bread. Listen, when you're writing a sermon, there are some points that are kind of hard, and you labor over them, and it takes you a while to put it together, and there's others that come like this. This one, like, I don't have a problem eating. <laughs> I do not have a problem breaking bread. In fact, I enjoy it very, I love to cook. I love having people over to my house. I love going out to eat. In fact, my wife and I are really good friends with two other couples that, that both their husbands are pastors and the wives are established professionals. Every time one of us has a birthday, we go out to eat. And so six times a year, the six of us go out to eat at the restaurant of the birthday person's choice. We eat, we laugh, we talk about our kids driving us crazy. We cry sometimes. We have 
fun, and we do it over food. I don't know what it is about eating with somebody else that happens, but what I do know is that something happens. Go find time to eat with other people. Make it a habit. Whether you host or whether you go out, just make it a habit. And I know maybe some of us don't have space in your home. Kelly actually has put me on lockdown right now. We do not have interior walls in our bathroom. And until we have interior walls in our bathroom, we can't have people over for dinner. Kind of makes sense. I understand a little bit, but that's the reality. And so guess what? Now instead we go out for dinner, right? <laughs> we go out, go out for dinner. And maybe it's a budget issue. Make a plan. Set a little bit of money aside. Listen, you don't have to go to Five Star. Go to Tim Hortons. A cup of coffee and a donut is three seventy-five, dollars right? And Tim Hortons is a little cheaper than River Road. But you can go there if you like. Make a plan to go out to eat with people because this I can guarantee you. Defenses come down over food. They, they just do, right? You want to get to know somebody? Take them out to eat. And if you're the person that's uncomfortable eating in front of somebody else, which there are some people that are like that, I don't, I don't know how to help you. I'd find somebody else because I don't know how to help you. What I do know is go and eat with people because defenses come down and things happen. And then finally we see they were devoted to prayer. Listen, as believers in Jesus Christ, prayer is an essential part of our lives. And oftentimes it's the most overlooked but we see multiple places in the scripture that we are to pray because prayer is powerful. It builds your faith. It encourages you. And we see all kinds of different prayer in the scripture. Prayers of petition, which is where we ask things of God. Prayers of thanksgiving, where we're thankful for what God is doing in our life. Prayers of intercession, which is where we pray for other people. Prayers of repentance, where, hey, our friend just held us accountable and we realized that they're right, and now we have to repent or pray for forgiveness. Prayers of dedication, committing ourselves to God. We're instructed to lay hands on the sick and pray for them to be healed. We're told that God is faithful to answer prayers of believers. And notice I, I kept that to answer the prayers of believers and not say yes to the prayers of the believers, because that's not what the scriptures tell us. The scriptures tell us that God will answer. Well, sometimes knows an answer. We just don't always like that answer. Prayer will change your heart, and it will align you with God. The first time in my life that I ever realized that God was real, I was just a boy. And I was supposed to go on a scouting camping trip, and I was super sick. And my mom had already told me, hey, man, if you wake up sick tomorrow, you ain't going camping. Well, guess what? I didn't want to hear that. And so for whatever reason in my eight, nine, ten-year-old boy brain, I was like, I know I'm going to pray to God that I don't even know if he's really there. And sure enough, I prayed. I was like, God, please, I really want to go on this camping trip. Make me better. The next day, I woke up perfectly fine. And that's the first time in my life I began to question and search and realize, hey, maybe this God is real because my vision was aligned with him. Now, for some of us, and I understand this, prayer is awkward right? If you've never prayed out loud, to pray out loud in front of people, it can be awkward because you don't know what to say. We encourage our children to pray out loud at the dinner table so they get comfortable praying in front of other people and with people and for people. My son, Zach, who's not here this morning, prays like this. And remember, I'm the cook in our house. Routine prayer every night. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for um, dinner and the opportunity to get together as family. 
I ask, Lord, that you keep us from getting sick from dad's cooking. What? What? What did you just say? Right? How about you pray that he heals you from me punching you in the mouth? <laughs> right? I mean, but prayer is awkward if you don't do it. So you, the only way to get better is to learn to pray out loud, right? And so, well, I don't know how to pray. I'm not sure prayer works. Get with other people that are maybe a little more developed than you and learn how to pray. This is the one that the only way to get comfortable doing it is to just do it, church. You have to dedicate and devote yourself to prayer as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, all these things are for you, right? We just gave you four action steps, right? Devote yourself to the teachings of the apostles and that of your pastor. Um, devote yourself to fellowship. Devote yourself to, to breaking of bread or food. Devote yourself to prayer. Those are your responsibilities as believers in Christ. But we as a church organization also have a responsibility, and that is to provide you a platform or an environment in which you can do that. And so here at Life Change Church, we so cleverly call them life groups, right? So life groups are the place that all those things that we just discussed can happen. In fact, the church, Life Change Church, was birthed out of a life group. It was a bunch of people meeting and discussing their lives and looking at the scripture and seeing not how they could bend the scripture to their life, but how they could submit their life to the scriptures, right? And boom, the church was birthed out of it. We've gotten a little bit away from it to some degree. We're placing a heavy emphasis on life groups once again. They're becoming the central focus of another fancy church word called discipleship, right? Discipleship is you growing in your relationship with God. It doesn't happen on Sunday mornings, right? It doesn't happen Sunday mornings. Some of us barely retain what Corb says, right? We go home, like, what was the first point? I don't know. I was looking at Facebook, right? We have to talk about the Word of God if we're going to grow in the relationship with God. And so that happens in a life group. Not by a show of hands, but I, I already know the answer to this question to some degree. Um, but how many of us have ever been in a place in our life and we really needed some support from our church or a call from our pastor, or maybe we were in a hospital and we just needed the church to be the church and it didn't happen. And so we got hurt or we got bitter or we got angry with the church, right? That happens. Guess what, guys? The church is going to be four years old next Sunday. We're about 175 people. There's no way Corbin and Sarah can take care of all those people. They just can't. And so what you're going to find if you join a life group is you're going to find a life group leader who takes care of you because they know about your life, right? In a life group, you're going to have a leader that knows about your life. So when you are in the valley and maybe you have medical testing coming up that week, boom, your life group leader prays with you. And guess what? Just modeled how to pray. So you're learning that as well. Or maybe you're already in the hospital. Boom, life group leader is going to make sure that he or she or somebody from your group comes visits you. Celebration. Maybe you have a birth or a graduation or a wedding. Guess what? Life group leader celebrates with you and finds other people to celebrate with you as well. So you're going to have a leader that cares about you because they know what's going on in your life in a detailed way. You're also going to find somebody that's going to teach you the word. There's 168 hours in a week. 
you're in church for two, so you have 166 other hours to do something with. And so we're asking you to take three of those hours and go to a life group twice a month. We're only going to meet every other week and only for an hour and a half. So you still have 163 hours to do whatever you want, right? But take three of those hours and commit them to being in a life group because it's in that life group that you're going to dissect the message that Corbin has. Corbin gives you the action steps. He says, amen, we go home and we don't ever talk about him again. But action steps are no good if we don't apply them to our lives, right? You heard Pastor Chris at the beginning of the, the message this morning say, hey, I guarantee you if you take these steps and you apply them to your life, your life will change, and because your life changes, the church will change. And here's why. When the people of the church change, the church changes, right? We saw it in Acts. When the church acts like the church, God multiplies the church. So it's important that we take the action steps that Corb lays out for us or the guest speaker lays out for us, and then we talk about them. How do they become practical in our life? How do we actually physically apply them? How do we overcome the barriers and the obstacles that hold us back? That's what you can expect in a life group. And this, this may be a little sacrilegious, I don't know, but maybe my favorite one, you're going to eat. <laughs> you're going to find food at a life group, right? And then you're going to be prayed for. Your needs will be covered in prayer. And when you're comfortable as you grow, you're going to have the opportunity to pray for other people. What you're going to find in the life group is what we saw in Acts chapter 2. It is the church being the church, and we owe that to you. And so I want to encourage you, quit being just Facebook friends and engage in real relationships. Because in real relationships, we can be authentic. We can grow. We can share victories and defeats. We can be transparent. We can be held accountable. We can hold others up when we're strong, and then they can hold us up when we're weak. By being devoted to the teaching of the word and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer, really what we're doing is we're doing life together. And that's the way it was designed to be. And so quit just being a Facebook friend. Engage in real relationships and do so by joining a life group. As we close this morning, maybe you don't even know Jesus Christ, or maybe you do and you've kind of walked away because you're no longer in relationship with him, and you, you know that there's a relationship you desire and there's more to it, and, and you're just choosing to stay on the edge. I want to encourage you this morning, jump all in. Remember what we talked about. If you're just that person waiting to be invited, you're probably going to continue to wait to be invited. Well, I'm inviting you this morning enter into a relationship with Jesus, you can mark on your connect card right in the first box, I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. And I guarantee you it's the best decision that you'll make in your life. Believe that he wants to forgive you, believe that he loves you, and believe that he has a plan for your life. And a part of that plan is to be in real relationship with real people. So next you'll see there's room for prayer requests, and then there's room for action. So this morning, I want to encourage you, take action. 
join a life group. Go ahead and commit on your comment card. You're going to join a life group. Take a moment to pray, fill out your connect card, and Cord will be up with the next steps in just a moment. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.